this is Tales of the Old Burying Ground. Stories inspired by the Dartmouth College Cemetery. The year is 1919. You are 19 years old, a still relatively doe-eyed sophomore at Dartmouth College. You are also, obviously, a man. Sorry ladies, you'll get your chance at the Big Green in about 50 years. Anyway, you, young man, are standing in a dimly lit basement of whatever fraternity you have decided to join. Your older brothers stand cloaked in front of you, yelling obscenities and threatening you and the other pledges with a paddle. Over the next few weeks of pledge term, you'll be forced to quite literally bow down to the upperclassmen in your frat whenever you pass them on your way to class or dinner. When they ask you to provide them with their favorite brand of cigarette, you better have it on hand. Is this the price of brotherhood? grandson, a well-established legacy, will go through a similar ritual. But this time, the price of brotherhood has evolved, devolved, into a deathly, vomit-infused, binge-drinking, abusive extravaganza. Was it always like this? Have young, college-aged men just always naturally gravitated to terrorizing the pledges that they will soon welcome into their ranks? Certainly not. In fact, it was once just about the exact opposite. Plot 101 in the Dartmouth College Cemetery. Students row. Efren Simmons, Oliver Spaulding, Levi Newcomb, Albion Pierce, Stephen Bartlett, John Warner, Abel Kimball Wilson, and Edmund Livermore were all buried by their respective literary societies, the frats of yesteryear. Before there was a train stop near Hanover, if you died at college, you were buried here, since there was no way to transport your body back home. The headstones of these young men are beautiful, with heartfelt inscriptions on each one. In memory of our lamented brother. These literary societies were prestigious book clubs of sorts, providing the young men of Dartmouth a space where they could discuss big ideas outside of the classroom. United Fraternity, The Social Friends, and Phi Beta Kappa were the most prominent, all founded in the mid-1780s. These groups had regularly scheduled lectures with professors and donated impressive book collections to the college's library. Once or twice during the academic year, the societies would host elaborate dinner party celebrations, complete with five-course meals. The young men of America's future took their positions in the group seriously and prided themselves on their impressive intellects. Life continued like this for the literary societies for quite a while, but by the mid-1800s, the situation was growing dire. They were in debt from purchasing so many books. Factionalization began to plague membership, and soon, two groups of men from United Fraternity took their leave, creating
creating PsyU and TriCap, two fraternities that still exist on Dartmouth's campus today. These organizations were much less focused on intellectual pursuits and cultivated clandestine atmospheres around their activities. Membership in all of the literary societies began to wane. Perhaps the secret fraternities were just more appealing, or people wanted to discover what they were all about. We'll fast forward again about a hundred years to 1930. Frat life is thriving, but in all the wrong ways. The administration is consistently characterizing the frats as unwholesome, unhealthy, and unnatural, with a history of unintelligent behavior. By all accounts, the fraternities were obstructing educational excellence. Despite these complaints, Greek houses were upheld as an important, indispensable part of campus social life. By 1961, nothing had changed. One affiliated student at this time said, We don't try to build ideals or instill values. But should they? Should we hold our sons and male classmates to a higher standard? All right, ladies. Remember how I said you would eventually get your chance at Dartmouth? This is it, and isn't it everything you had dreamed of? The year is 1972, and your dorm window was broken in the middle of the night. Your best friend was gang raped in a frat yesterday evening, and a girl on your floor told you that last week she saw a sign on a frat brother's bedroom door that read, Did you read that definition of date rape the D put out? By that definition, do you know how many women I've raped here? During 1975's annual frat song contest, Tricap enters a song that is more than a bit shocking. Arco Hogs, they play four, they are all a bunch of whores! That's just a taste of the song. Some of the other verses are more shocking and vile. Women were a threat to the hyper-masculine atmosphere of Dartmouth and its frats that were so embedded in the school's culture. Violence abounds in the frats through the 1990s, and I imagine many Dartmouth women on campus now would agree that change has been very slow. This is a school created by men for men, and the frats that dominate campus only contribute to that hyper-masculine ideology. Since their admittance into the school, Dartmouth women have had to navigate this tricky world of frat basements in a campus that has only been catering to men and women for 47 years. How can we erase the legacy of the macho Dartmouth man chanting, That's a real chant, the original lyrics of Dartmouth's In Town Again, a school song. Dartmouth's In Town Again? Maybe you should run. This is, of course, not just a Dartmouth issue. Fraternities exist at schools across the country, and they are often racist, sexist, homophobic, and downright violent. At Baylor University in Waco, Texas, a young woman was drugged and raped at a frat party. Her assailant got away with no jail time and promptly transferred to another college. Wesleyan University's Sayu was punished in 2014 for connections to at least two campus sexual assaults. Other examples abound, it only takes a simple internet search to find more. Fraternities have long histories of excluding women, men of marginalized identities, and members of the LGBTQ community. How can something like this be expected to evolve 
without a serious overhaul. I don't have the perfect answer to fix all this, but I do know that if we ignore it and avoid reflecting on these issues, it will only get worse. So we must reflect and think about how to hold our sons, classmates, boyfriends, friends, brothers to a higher standard. Humans are social creatures, and of course we need outlets for social interaction, but we should also be able to trust that these social units are inclusive and safe. I am rarely inclined to say that things were better in the good old days, but maybe, just maybe, the literary societies of yesteryear got something right that fraternities of today just can't. Gabrielle Cooper, Dartmouth College, signing off. Tales of the Old Burying Ground is funded by the Dartmouth College 250th Celebration. Executive produced by Ilana Grellard and Colleen Goodhue. With original music by Bill Gezzi.